He was a powerful military leader. He won medals for bravery. He achieved success very, very rapidly. He was adored by his people. He took his nation from being a weak nation with a crippled economy and very high unemployment uh, to one that claimed full employment, that had a powerful economy. He championed construction programs, including building a road network uh, that became the envy of the world. Who was that leader? It was Adolf Hitler. As soon as you hear that name, your impression of the man changes completely. Now you're thinking of someone who was one of the most evil, wicked leaders the world has ever seen. It just illustrates the power that a name can have, either for good or, as in this case, for bad. There are a few things that are more important to us than our good name or reputation. Uh, we have a, a natural desire uh, that other people should think well of us. Is that something that's, that's right and proper, would you say, that we want other people to think well of us? Take a look at our first scripture in Proverbs 22 and verse 1. makes the answer to that question very clear. It says, a good name is to be chosen rather than great wealth. To be respected is better than silver and gold. Yes, the Bible acknowledges the value of having a good name, a good reputation. Strangely though, in society today, it seems as though people have taken this to an extreme. Uh, the kind of celebrity culture around us is extreme. Do you get the feeling that sometimes people are famous for nothing more than being famous? That they just want their name to be known to others? Other people really are determined to make a name for themselves in business, in education, sports, in science, or whatever their field might be. How far would we go to make a good name for ourselves? What kind of name am I making for myself? And we'll also talk about this morning how the name that we make for ourselves isn't just about us. It reflects on others as well, on the congregation, on our family, and on the God who we worship. And then towards the end of the talk, we'll see something that was referred to in our opening song. And that is a special book of names, a Jehovah's book of names. And we'll see the significance of that towards the end. <coughs> Before you were born, or maybe in the days after you were born, your parents agonized over what they would call you, what, they, what name they would give you. You can buy books of suggestions of names and what they mean, and you can find lists of the most popular names. Do you know what the most popular names are at the moment? Apparently, for boys, it's Noah, Liam, Mason, Jacob, William. You have to go all the way down to 32 to get my name, Oliver. And for girls, Emma, Olivia, Sophia, Isabella, and Ava. Well, there you go. But the thing is, that for the family, that's all important. But for the rest of us, we just go, oh, nice name. It's a label. At the time that a baby is born, for us, it's just a way of telling one baby from another. It's only over time that that name takes on meaning, isn't it? In the first weeks and months, you might think of little Joe as a baby that cried a lot or slept a lot. But then over the years that follow, that name takes on layer upon layer of deeper meaning to us. 
a person can become known as a good cook, a skilled tradesman. Even the lazy man has made something. He's made a name for himself as a lazy man. <laughs> some have made a bad name for themselves. If I were to just describe some traits of some Bible characters, you might even be able to guess who I'm talking about. The greatest traitor, Judas Iscariot. A rebel, a mighty hunter in opposition to Jehovah. That's a more obscure one, but you might be thinking of Nimrod. How about someone who was hateful, jealous, and became a murderer of a close family member? Perhaps you got that one as Cain. Am I known for any of such characteristics? Well, I'm sure none of us here are fit in any of those categories. But others have made a good name for themselves. Let's take another, let's go to a scripture to illustrate a positive example. Exodus 33, verse 17. Here's a man who, although he lived thousands of years ago, made such a good name for himself that he's known by perhaps billions of people today. So Exodus 33, verse 17. Jehovah went on to say to Moses, I will also do this thing that you request, because you have found favor in my eyes, and I know you by name. Isn't that amazing? Now Moses was already known by name by Pharaoh, the greatest leader on the planet. But that was absolutely nothing compared to what we just heard then. That Jehovah God, the creator of the entire universe, knew Moses by name. And would listen to his request because of what that name meant to him. What an incredible thought. So we mentioned at the outset that the name that we make for ourselves doesn't just reflect on us. It reflects on our family. Uh, it reflects on Jehovah and his word, the Bible, because people in the community know uh, that we are Jehovah's Witnesses. And it reflects on our congregation. And, uh, so we'll see some of the implications of that in the next part of our discussion. We're going to address three groups within the congregation in turn. First of all, our young ones, and then Christian brothers, and then Christian sisters. No, it's the other way around. Christian sisters there. Christian <coughs> so what about our young ones? You know, we really delight when we have young ones in the congregation. And we know it's not easy uh, to serve Jehovah in the environment of school and growing up in this system of things. We really admire our young ones for sticking up for what they know to be is right, even in those difficult circumstances. Sometimes you might wonder, does it really make much difference? You know, trying at school to do uh, things the right way, when all your kids around you, well, they're just doing their own thing anyway, they don't really care. Listen to an experience that I found. It goes back some years, but I'm sure similar stories have been told the world over. At the end of the school term, the teacher divided her students into groups. Each group was required to discuss a religion. One group brought along a priest to answer the questions prepared by the teacher. The teacher asked questions that dealt with the Christian stand on various issues. The priest, unable to give clear-cut answers, felt very embarrassed, so the class booed. Annoyed, he called for attention and said, You're all naughty, except for those two children who, as good Catholics, are well-behaved and do not disrespect a priest. You know where this is going, don't you? The teacher answered, Those children are well-behaved because they are not Catholics. Jehovah's Witnesses. 
The class applauded, saying, we want to be Jehovah's Witnesses. <laughs> this occasion provided opportunity for later Bible discussion with many of these children. Well, what a beautiful example um, our young ones can set. And you know, your schoolmates do remember uh, that you were different. Even if they don't admit it at the time, or even if they tease you at the time, they know that the kid in the class who wouldn't get involved in bullying, who was a nice young man or a nice young girl, that was one of this strange religion to their mind, Jehovah's Witnesses. And when they get a bit older, and one of Jehovah's Witnesses calls at their door, they'll remember that, and they'll listen, because of the faithfulness that you showed when you were young. So the good name that you have at school often does open a way for a witness. Just one last point to young brothers in the congregation before we move on. It might seem to you that the idea of being maybe a ministerial servant, it seems like a long, long way off to you when you're a kid. Well, have you ever thought about how old Timothy was when he first accompanied the Apostle Paul in the traveling book? We don't know exactly, but it seems that he was in his late teens or his early 20s. So it really isn't that long before you can get baptized and then reach out to be really useful to Jehovah's people, to serve Jehovah God to the best of your ability. So don't make those, that kind of a goal a long way off in your mind. Set good spiritual goals for your future. Now we turn our attention to our sisters, to Christian women. It's appropriate that we look at Proverbs 31. Verses 30 and 31, when talking about the reputation our sisters have. So Proverbs 31 and the last two verses. It says, Charm may be false, and beauty may be fleeting, but the woman who fears Jehovah will be praised. Give her the reward for what she does, and let her works praise her in the city games. <laughs> so, society today focuses on appearance. In fact, we could say it doesn't just focus on appearance, it's absolutely obsessed with it. That is everything. So the scripture says, charm may be false, and beauty may be fleeting. Well, that's all well and good, and in fact, there's nothing wrong with giving some attention to our appearance. But in Jehovah's eyes, that really is only skin deep. The person that we are inside is what is truly beautiful. And uh, certainly with our, our Christian sisters, we know that Jehovah really does value them. The next phrase, the woman who fears Jehovah will be praised. In the reference Bible, it says she will procure praise for herself. Now that's maybe a little more old-fashioned wording, but that word procure is interesting because it means to obtain, attain something by care and earnest effort. So this praise that our sisters have, they receive, is not just coincidental, it's not just us being nice and saying, you know, well done sisters. Uh, it's something they have earned by care and earnest effort. It follows it up by saying, let her works praise her in the city gates. In Bible times, that would be where the judges sat. It would be where the uh, older men of the city Sad. So to have a good reputation in the city gates was something very dignified. And that certainly today is the kind of reputation that our sisters establish for themselves. 
We will just pass on a little warning at this point. Now, one of the beautiful things about the way that Jehovah made women is the concern that they have for others, the interest in other people. Sometimes if you're married, you might find you know, the husband is thinking about things, whereas his wife is thinking about people, of what she can do to encourage or help someone else. That's a beautiful thing. But the warning is this, never let that interest in others develop into a bad quality of gossip or meddling in the affairs of your brother or sister. And that can really be a divisive influence in the congregation. So before you speak, just think, what does this say about me? What kind of a name am I making for myself by repeating this piece of information? Am I sharing something for the benefit of that brother or sister so we can be encouraging to them? Is it upbuilding? Or could it come under that category of gossip? So think about the name uh, we make for ourselves. In Bible times, of course, the role of uh, women in the congregation may have been somewhat simpler. There was the traditional family where the husband went to work and cared materially and spiritually for the family, and the wife probably cared for the children at home and for the household. Today, things are a little more complicated. We have many single parents in the congregation trying to juggle all those responsibilities themselves. We have others where it just isn't practical for the husband to work and, and the wife to look after the home. It's, you know, we live in difficult times and many of our sisters are working as well as caring for the kids and uh, for the home. It can seem that just getting by with doing these mundane things is it's hard work, but does anyone really notice what you do? The answer is yes, absolutely. Actually, your brothers and sisters notice. They see the kids at the Kingdom Hall, you know, all nicely dressed up in their clean clothes. They know how much effort it took to get them there, prepared with an answer to share during the Watchtower study. That really glorifies Jehovah. And we know that very often it's mum who uh, must take some of the credit for that as well. But even if we don't see all that goes on, Jehovah does. And you sisters make a wonderful name for yourselves, a real fine reputation with our Creator. Finally, we turn our attention to brothers in the congregation, Christian men. There is a tremendous need for ministerial servants and elders right now in this circuit. And uh, you know that. In fact, I'm sure just like Brother Sims has mentioned it up in Central Park, uh, he's talked about similar things when he visits your congregation. Perhaps, brothers, in the past you might have felt, well, there are so many qualified men in this area, I'm not really needed. I don't know if that was ever actually true, but certainly now it is definitely not the case. There is a tremendous need. So let's turn to 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1 and see what you can do to make a good name for yourself to the extent that you can have a share in filling that need. And maybe, as we mentioned, you thought yourself too young to think about this in the past. Other brothers have come along in the truth late in life. Perhaps their wife was serving Jehovah for years, and they almost feel they don't deserve to reach out to serve as a ministerial servant. Well, would it be right for you brothers in these different groups to reach out? Let's see what the Bible says. 1 Timothy 3, verse 1. This statement is trustworthy. 
But if a man is reaching out to be an overseer, he is desirous of a fine work. So put all those other hang-ups to one side. We need you, brothers. And uh, if that is your goal, you are desirous of a fine work. So what does it entail? What do you need to do? Let's read on in 1 Timothy 3. In fact, there are many qualifications listed here, and it would be a good thing to, to consider in personal study. We'll just touch on a handful of them in the next couple of minutes. Look at verse 2. We'll read the whole verse, but we're concentrating on the last point. The overseer should therefore be irreprehensible, a husband of one wife, moderate in habit, sound in mind, orderly, hospitable, qualified to teach. That can be daunting in our locality. We have so many excellent, excellent teachers. And we might feel, well, that's just not me. You know, I could never do that. And we might discount ourselves from being qualified to teach on that count. What does it really mean when the Bible says qualified to teach? Elsewhere, the Apostle Paul used the phrase handling the, uh, sorry, holding firmly to the faithful word. That is actually the main thing about being qualified to teach. It is that you teach from the Bible. You don't teach your own ideas, but you know the scriptures well enough to know Jehovah's thinking on matters, to know how you can handle a situation, a problem or a difficulty by finding something scriptural that really meets the, the need. And when you teach your own family, in your family worship evening, when you are out on the field service, when you're taking a little group of brothers and sisters with you out on the ministry, when you have a part on the meeting or when you comment at, the, at one of our meetings, you do so from the Bible. That is what it means to be qualified to teach. Now, please do and use every opportunity you have to improve your art of teaching as well, to become a skilled teacher. But imagine you have two brothers. One has relatively limited natural ability as a teacher, but he always, always relies on the Bible. The next person is a brilliant speaker. He can make you smile, he can make you lie, he can cry, he can make you laugh, you know, he's captivating. But he has a bit of a tendency to say what comes from up here, not down here. Which of them is qualified to teach? The answer is the one who sticks closely to the Bible. So brothers, focus on that. Focus on knowing the scriptures and using them when you teach others. Then we'll go on to verse 3. Not a drunkard, not violent, but reasonable, not quarrelsome. What kind of a reputation do you have in that regard? Someone who exaggerates minor matters is a bit hard to please, argumentative. Well, if that's the case, that's something that you can work on. So that you have a name as someone who is reasonable. And then verses 4 and 5. A man presiding over his own household in a fine manner, having his children in subjection with all seriousness. For if any man does not know how to preside over his own household, how will he care for the congregation of God? So as we mentioned, your family worship program and the way that you care for your household spiritually in general is a good example. The book Organized to Do Jehovah's Will puts it this way regarding a man qualified to serve as an overseer. Other members of the congregation can confidently approach him for counsel and advice on family life and Christian living. 
Now we're not unreasonable in this regard. We want brothers to meet up uh, with that to a reasonable degree so others can trust uh, that you give them advice from God's word. So some questions for self-examination in review of that section. Is my name associated with laziness, questionable business practices, vile speech, or a violent temper? I'm sure that's not the case uh, for any of us. Instead, am I known for having fine Christian standards in my morals, in my business dealings, in the way I care for my family, and uh, the uh, dealings I have with my neighbors? We make a good name in the community and with our brothers and sisters in, in this manner, but above all, we make a good name with Jehovah. That point of the, the reputation we have in the community compared to with Jehovah is our next main point. It is valuable that we should have a good name um, in the community, but how important is it? Let's think about Jesus Christ as our model. What kind of a reputation did Jesus have? Well, he first of all had a good name as a carpenter, and then later on as a teacher and even a miracle worker. So for many, he did have a good name, and yet others viewed him very differently. Some viewed him as a lawbreaker who went against the, the traditions and the rules of their ancestors, and in their mind, he was disregarding the law. Others even accused him of siding with the devil, um, expelling demons in the name of Beelzebub. So Jesus had kind of a very varied reputation in the community, depending on who you asked. Was that of grave concern to him? Not really. Jesus knew that his reputation did reflect on Jehovah, but he knew he couldn't please everyone. So the thing that was a prime concern for him was his good name with Jehovah God, with his Father. And what kind of a name does he have now? Philippians 2, verse 9 onwards, helps us with that. So Philippians 2, from verse 9. For this very reason, God exalted him to a superior position and kindly gave him the name that is above every other name, so that in the name of Jesus, every knee should bend of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the ground. And every tongue should openly acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So when people reviled Jesus on earth, he knew what Jehovah had in store for him. He now has a name which is greater than every other name in the universe, save the name of Jehovah God himself. And what a amazing privilege that is for Jesus Christ. For us then to have a good name with Jehovah, we need to recognize the significance of the name that Jehovah has given to Jesus Christ and the reputation that he has. The Bible gives him titles as well, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Every time we pray, we do so in Jesus' name. It's not just some formula some password that gets our prayer into heaven. So we finish a prayer with, in Jesus' name, Amen, or something to that effect. But have you ever stopped to think, what does that really mean when I ask a prayer in Jesus' name? The Watchtower once described it this way. 
with petitioning that the high power and authority of Jesus Christ be used in our behalf. The authority of that name moves Jehovah God to listen to our prayer. Jesus did say, though, uh, that some would do even powerful works in his name, and he'd say, well, I never knew you. So what is it about um, the, the way that we understand that name, Jesus Christ, that means some of us receive a listening ear from our Heavenly Father, Jehovah. Others, Jesus says, well, I never, get, ever, never knew you. What's the difference? It's not in the way we use the name, but it's in our appreciation of what it stands for. Jesus Christ has authority as our King. Do we submit ourselves to his kingship? If we do, then he knows us. So what does that mean for us? Well, we recognize its authority and we submit ourselves to it. Being obedient through our share in the preaching work, that foremost work being done today. By remaining neutral, he is our king, no one else. That will be challenging for some in this season of a presidential election coming up. We want to make sure we have no involvement in the politics of this world because we've made our choice already. Am I showing my submission to Jesus Christ? It's necessary to have a good name with God. What about when I'm in the presence of those who don't serve Jehovah, those who are critical of true worship, even of, uh, I could say, godless people? Our young ones at school might find themselves in that kind of environment from time to time, and it can be hard to identify yourself as one of Jehovah's Witnesses when you know what that's going to mean. It could mean being teased or, or bullied. And yet standing up for your good name as one of Jehovah's Witnesses is a fine thing. What about when I'm surrounded by vile speech? Well, let's say I hear someone starting to tell a joke which I know is going to be an off-color joke. What will I do? Will I follow it up with another one of my own? Okay. Will I sit there looking embarrassed, chuckle under my breath and hope no one noticed? B. Or will I walk away? and make it absolutely clear that I want nothing to do with that kind of speech. Well, I'm sure none of us go for the A category, but it can be difficult in some settings uh, to identify ourselves as uh, subject to Jesus' authority, wanting nothing to do with that kind of speech. But when we do so, even in a seemingly small thing, we are upholding uh, Jesus' authority as our King. The good name that we make in the community may be of some benefit. Just as an example of that, if you, through some unforeseen circumstance, need to take out a loan, and you walk into your bank, and you ask the bank manager for a loan, and he looks at you and says, you, seriously, lend you money? You must be joking. <laughs> then our reputation has gone before us. If, on the other hand, he sees you and he goes, he, in his mind he thinks of someone who's careful with their money and works hard, has a good reputation and now has a, a need, you probably get the loan. So, having a good reputation in the community has some value. But think of the one who has the authority to give far more than just a small loan. Jehovah God, as our creator, has the power to give us everlasting life in paradise. The name that we make with him is so, so much more valuable 
than any reputation we have here on earth. We mentioned a book at the start, and it's referred to in Revelation 17 and verse 8. Now this is a complicated scripture, and we're just going to, for the sake of time, focus on a few words here, but I will read the whole scripture. So Revelation 17 verse 8. The wild beast that you saw was, but is not, and yet is about to ascend out of the abyss, and it is to go off into destruction. And the inhabitants of the earth, those whose names have not been written in the scroll of life from the founding of the world, will be amazed when they see how the wild beast was, but is not, and yet will be present. There is a scroll of life that has existed from the founding of the world. It is Jehovah's book of uh, names, those in line for a resurrection, the, the world of redeemable mankind. So, starting at the top of the list, who would be the first name? Well, we mentioned his brother earlier. So the first name in the list is Cain. And from then on you have a whole uh, list of thousands upon thousands of names of uh, those who made a good name with God. Is my name in that book? It's a question we can ask ourselves. What kind of a book is it? Is it something like a telephone directory? Well, a telephone directory, long list of names. Well, it does have something in common with that. It is a list of, of names. But as I look down that list, these are people who mean nothing to me. You know, Boris, Borst, whatever. <laughs> so, it's a list of names, but it's actually more like something these days you probably have in your phone. You go to your phone and the address book, and as you flick through that list of names, it stirs emotions in you. Sometimes you'll stop and smile because you've come to someone who is, it's a, a friend you haven't seen for a while. You know that although you haven't spoken to them for a year or two, that as soon as you see them again, it'll be just like that just like old times. It brings a smile to your face. Then you scroll down a little further, and if someone was watching, they'd see your face fall. This is someone you used to count as a dear friend, but they proved disloyal to you. Would Jehovah do what you might do? So you might look at that name and even decide to hit the delete button, to erase it from your phone book. Would Jehovah ever do that? Turn to Exodus 32. Verse 33. Exodus 32, verse 33. However, Jehovah said to Moses, Whoever has sinned against me, I will wipe him out of my book. So it is absolutely vital that we not only gain that good name with Jehovah, but we retain it as well that we keep that good reputation that we have with him. We would never, ever want him to wipe us out of his book of life. Our name means our reputation. All of us have room for improvement. Perhaps something we've discussed over the past few minutes has left you thinking, yes, I can work on that. I can improve my good name with Jehovah. Our whole way of life, our traits, habits, and also our direct service to Jehovah in the ministry as well. These contribute to the name or reputation that we have. In the world sometimes we see someone who's striven for a whole lifetime to make a good name and then they lose it in an instant. Well, we certainly would never ever want that to be the case with our good name with Jehovah. 
Yes, we work hard to make a good name with Jehovah God so that we may be found in the scroll of life.